You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. I was trying to figure out why Miss Brown didn't go to Florida with Pastor. I'm guessing she doesn't like humidity. She had told me um, that she would be stuck in a hotel for a whole week. And she had uh, too many things going on with the ladies. And I was thinking to myself, a week in a hotel. Praise him. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, there's got, it's Florida. There's going to be a cabana there. There's going to be a pool. There's going to be a workout room. I mean, Miss Brown, I, I mean, I commend you. <laughs> it was all the humidity, huh? Um, but with that said, um, I mean, we have a wonderful pastor and a wonderful pastor's wife and uh, just encourage for their heart for this ministry. Um, as I was looking at this uh, scripture this morning, um, and the Lord's just kind of changed my directions three or four different times throughout the week, uh, but he's brought me back to this one point, and I just wanted to go and talk about, we're going to primarily deal with verse 2. I wanted you to know it's not going to be an RU message. My dad the other day said, good, another RU message. <laughs> but he's still here, so I'm happy. So uh, it's all right. Um, but let's look at that scripture again. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we look at this, we realize in the latter part of this verse, there's actually different wills that we could have in God. There is a good will, something that would be good to do. There is an acceptable will, and there's a perfect will. Of God. And you can be in one of those three places, and the way that you're going to know which places that you're in is by your mindset. So we're going to talk a little bit about the mindset of man and where you're at. Now here's the interesting thing. There's 70 of us here today. All of us are in a different spot. None of us are like another. All of us know ourselves. Somewhat, but not totally. But if we all take the time and get alone with God, and we ask him where we're at, he'll reveal it to us. You think of David, and David went to the Lord and said, show me my heart. The Bible also says that the heart is desperately wicked, and it says, who can know it? We can't even know our own heart. I know that there was a time in my life where I really wanted to know what the Lord had for me. I really wanted that information. I wanted to be living inside of God's will for my life. And I started seeking that. And over the next six months, my life was turned upside down. It changed everything. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've been given, the, the abilities that I've been allowed to have, pastor was joking with me on the roof the other day, and he's like, I bet you never thought you'd do this much construction, did you? And I said, no, I didn't. 
At 19, I was working for my son's grandfather, and I was doing construction on a roof in San Francisco. It was about this high. We had no tie-downs. We had no nothing. And I about slipped and fell off that roof, and it was straight down to a freeway. I got off that roof that day, and I said, I'll never do that again. Here I am doing it again. <laughs> so I don't know, but God has a perfect will for you. It's just a matter of knowing where you're at and where you're lined up with him. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the scripture and talk about this. Dear Lord God, we come to you, and Lord, I have nothing to say, but you have everything. Lord, I just pray for the opportunity, the ability to hide behind the cross. I pray that your Holy Spirit would use my tongue, Lord God, and that you would help all of us, Lord. Uh, encourage us, strengthen us, give us wisdom to know, Lord God, what your will is for our life, where we're at in life, Lord God, and, and how uh, we're doing on a scale that you would judge, that you would grade, Lord God. We pray that you would just uh, work through this service, Lord God. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I look at this, and um, I looked at a couple different things, and I'm just going to run those down to you, and I'll just kind of give you a couple points here. There is the reformed life, there is the conformed life, and there is the transformed life. And I believe most of us all find ourselves in one of those three places. And we're going to invert this verse a little bit because the latter part comes later. And I think we want to actually look at it first. I know personally by experience that we have people presently today that have not trusted Christ as their Savior. I know that there are people that have not taken that step and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They say in a crowd this size that you're going to have various people in various different places in their life. And I knew that there was always percentages and things that I would find in the business world, for those of you that are in the business world. And there used to be 2080 rules. And the, the 2080 rule basically said that 20% of the people would do 80% of everything that needed to be done. And then when you broke that down, of that 20%, 20% of them would do 80% of that. So you found everything was in a very small percentage uh, when you looked at the business aspect of life. And often I will go back to my business aspect because it helps me in my Christian life. Pastor does a message, it's called What's in Your Hand? And it's based on what God's already given you abilities to do in your life and how you use those abilities in order to serve the Lord. Every ability that you've been given is something that he's put in your hand so you can serve him and glorify him. To glorify him basically means to shine light on him, to make him look good. Not to make us look good, but to make him look good. And while I was in business and practicing living and working in the business world, there were tools that he gave me that I still see are a great benefit today to ministry and to the things that I'm allowed to do because it gives me perspective. It gives me a different point of view than I might otherwise would have had had I been you know, doing different things in life, like been in construction. Um, um, I'll just leave it at that. That's not my forte. Um, 
But with that said, um, we're going to look at this and you have the reformed life, the conformed life, and the transformed life. You look at the bottom of that verse, uh, or the second part, and it says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you can't be transformed until the mind's renewed, but there's a problem. We've made it one step too far. First, the mind's got to be new before it can be renewed, okay? You can't have revival if you've never had Bible in the first place. So we've got to find out what it is about that new mind. And I don't think that there's any a better exposition on that than you would have in the book of John. So let's turn there real quick. John chapter 3. And a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He comes to him at nighttime, so nobody's paying attention. Nobody's watching him. Nobody is made aware of what he's doing. And he has some very pointed questions for the Lord. Very pointed questions. And he wants to know what it takes to get to heaven. And here's the interesting thing. I've talked to a couple different people this week and grown adults, and they gave me excuses why they couldn't have a life of faith or why they couldn't trust Christ, why they couldn't do this and why they couldn't do that. And what it came down to was questions. As adults, we have all these questions about faith. We have all these questions about why God did this. And sometimes I've even heard people have this mindset, how dare God allow this to happen to me? Anybody else there? And God has the right to do whatever, whenever, and however because he has the best interest for you in life. That's his purpose. That's his point. But as we're looking at John chapter 3, we're just going to jump down to verse 3. We're going to get right into the meat. And it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's just laying it out there. You've got to be saved. You've got to put your faith in me You've got to transition from that old life, from being just a carnal man that does what he wants, thinks what he wants, and goes where he wants, to a man that puts his faith. And when I say man, I mean man or woman. I'm not using that as a, as a gender. I'm using gender neutral. Just make sure we're clear on that. Um, but he looks at this, and he says, you've got to be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus comes back and said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his, mother, his mother's womb and be born? And he has a very valid question. And here he is, you've got to realize, he is a religious leader. He's in the church. He is somebody that people look up to. But he had questions and he had concerns. Jesus responds, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus said, wait a minute. It's not, don't make it such a big deal. But you've got to be born of the water. When you're born from a woman, they break the water, right? So born of the water. And you've got to be born of the spirit. It's a transaction that you have to make. Your mom and dad can't make it for you. 
you have to make that transaction. That's where, why baptizing children, babies, is wrong. Because a child cannot make that decision, a baby, excuse me. A child can. Matter of fact, if we look at scripture, go real quickly to Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. I sat down with a man this week and I just really shared the gospel with him. And he gave me every question you could think of and then some. I mean, he wanted to know about fallen angels and everything else. And I kept trying to come back to the point. And if you look in your pride for a reason not to trust Christ, you're going to find it. If you look in your pride for a reason to do it on your own, you're going to find it. If you look in your ability for a way that you can work to heaven, I mean, at one point in time, they built a tower. They were trying to get there. And God confused them all. The Tower of Babel. In our own mind, we can find a lot of reasons not to put faith in Christ when we start putting up and gendering a bunch of different excuses and a bunch of different reasons on why I can do this on my own. Trust me, you can't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to do it. It's got to be through Christ. The most important message that we can give in any church service is how you can have a relationship personally with Jesus Christ. You don't have to come to an altar, although that's what I did. And I felt it made a difference in my life because I accepted the fact that I humbled myself and came and fell before an almighty God and recognized my position that I was a sinner and that I was going to hell. You don't have to come to the altar. You can do it in your chair. I know many people that have made that profession at the edge of the bed, and that has been their altar. And God will see that as an altar if that's what you're doing there. I know people that have been driving down the road, and they've made a decision while they're driving down the road just before an accident. I know people that have done that. I know people on their deathbed that had their head held by a pastor and they made a last minute decision before they departed from this earth. I know people that were on their deathbed and made a decision and they didn't die. Their life was extended. And I can think of those right now. I've got a couple running through my head. But you have to make that personal decision. There has got to be a date and a time where you are reborn where you have that spirit that you've taken on the spirit of Jesus Christ and you've asked him personally into your heart. There has got to be that day. So we've got to have that new mind. If we look at uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, and it said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Little children, we just had BBS, and I don't know how many were saved, but it's about 15, 11. So we had eight, eight, or 11 little children come to know the Lord over BBS last week. That's a victory. 
Now, when we laid out the gospel for those little children, they didn't give us a bunch of obstacles of why they couldn't be saved. They heard the gospel. They recognized they were a sinner. They recognized there was a price for the sin. It was a place called hell. And they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as the answer for that and the payment for that. And because of that VBS, 11 children have now got a new direction. They're now going to heaven rather than going to hell. Had we let them go up, grow up, and not have that VBS, who knows where that would have been. My parents told me as a young man that I was saved at seven or eight years old, and they kept telling me, you don't need to do this again, you've already done it. The problem was I didn't remember it. It wasn't personal, and it wasn't until 29 that I realized I need to get to the altar. Now, I don't care whether you're uh, six years old or 29 years old or 50 or 70. If I knew there was heaven and there was hell, and I knew that my decision had already been made for me if I did not make that decision or make a choice, you could not slow me down from getting to that altar. I spent the last weekend in 100-degree weather on D Street on a booth, and I didn't like that heat. How am I ever going to put up with hell? I mean, pretty bad out there, huh? <laughs> Brother David was telling me all the, all the bad shifts that we don't want to work next year. Um, but we've got to come as little children. Faith is one of those things that while we want all the answers, if I gave them to you, it would not make sense. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, then truth is not even something you truly understand. It changes everything. It changes the perception. This actually is bread and meat. As a babe desires the sincere milk of the word that he may grow thereby. It is bread and meat. When I get into this, when I'm studying this, oh, my hungry soul is just satisfied. There are just so many things that come to me that come to life, and I'm like, wow. I mean, you don't know how many times I'm like, wow. Just excited about what God gives me in the morning. I'm begging God for a nugget. Just one thing. Just one thing. And if we get to the place that when we get into this book in the morning or we get into our prayer time, we ask God for a nugget, you're going to find it. You're going to. I talked to a man this week and going through a hard situation. Sorry, this might be a little are you. Um, but going through a hard situation, and he told me that he was going to this other church, and he says, I just wasn't getting anything out of the message. I said, it's never the preacher. I said, you have to get this. If the book is opened and your heart's prepared, then you're going to be fed. If the book is opened and your heart's not prepared, it's not the, the, the deliverer's fault. It's the fault of the receiver that he didn't prepare his heart before the meal was prepared. I don't know about you, but we'll have a meal at the house and the meal will be laid out on the table and it's always pretty exciting. We got lots of good stuff at our house. 
And food is always good. But if you don't show up, is it mama's fault? Or is it your fault that you didn't show up? It's the same thing when we come to church. We got to come in prepared. Did you get into the Bible this morning? Did you pray this morning? Did you at least do a little devotional this morning? You'll be surprised how little devotional, sometimes you have no time. You'll do a little devotional, it'll carry you. At least till noon. And then you can get some meat over noon. But here he very clearly says that we must come as little children. It's because they don't ask all the excuses. They don't make all the reasons why they can't. With the child, they believe they can do all things. And Jesus says, I can do all things. The scripture says, I can do all things through him. We've got to put our faith and our trust in him. So the first step is being reformed. We've got to have that new birth. We must have that or we're not going to be able to really understand anything spiritual. We're not going to go to heaven and we're not going to have eternal life. So we've got to have that new birth. So we've got to be reformed. Then there's conformed. There's various different ways or different aspects that you can look at conformed. Um, conformed to this world is what many people want. They want to be, they want to belong. It's a big thing today. We sat down there on D Street and pastor told me not to go political, so I won't. But there's a couple shops down there called Diversity This and Diversity That, which isn't anything but diversity, really, because they wouldn't accept me in there. Okay? But I was amazed how many people were trying to take on a persona in order to please other people. Have you ever wanted to fit in or to belong? And you were doing something or willing to do something that was directly against everything that you believed just because you wanted to fit in. Just because you didn't want to be the outsider. I don't know about you, but that's happened in my life, especially in the school days. I mean, many times I would do what I could just so people didn't think I was a weirdo. And not belonging to the world system will make you what they consider a weirdo. But it also gives you an opportunity to glorify God, to shine light on him. If we look at um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, and 20, 19 through 21, excuse me. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I told you before, I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible says if you're guilty of one of these, you're guilty of all of them. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. 
And I don't know about you, but I've committed the most, most all of those. I'm guilty. Now, the nice thing is, we go back up to verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So 19 through 21 do not apply if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because his, cover, his, his blood was the covering. It was the atonement. It was the payment for all the sins that you had committed while you were living in this world. Paid for it all. We are told to come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. We're told that. But even as Christians, so often we will conform. I don't know how many times I've been walking down the road or I've been in a particular place, and I'll hear beep, 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 not a horn from a car, but words come out of somebody's mouth, and I'll turn around, and somebody that I thought was a Christian. And they were in a conversation with somebody, and they were trying to conform to that person so that they would belong. So they would be not different, not separated, so they could relate. I've even asked people, and they'll say, well, I was hoping for the opportunity to witness to him by being more like him. I'm like, where'd you get that mindset at? If they don't see a difference, why would they want what you've got? If it's the same old, same old, they're just going to keep what they got. They don't have to have all the confusion. They just deny God altogether. There's another thought process. If you look at Galatians chapter 6, we're going to go verse 7. <clears throat> and the other thought process is, um, I didn't know this until I got into RU. It's called fake it until you make it. That means you act like it until you get there. Now, it's a philosophy that is pushed by AA and NA. AA and NA do a lot of good things for a lot of people, and they give a lot of people a lot of hope. But the philosophy of fake it until you make it, it's, it's a failed philosophy. It really is. You look at verse 17, Be not deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall ye also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh... They constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. 
It doesn't avail anything but a new creature. But if we look at these verses a little more closely, verse 12, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Often, while we're trying to get people to conform, we're trying to get them to fake it until they make it, dress like me, talk like me, walk like me. No, let's just get saved. Let's just get people really saved. Let's get their life changed rather than the fake conforming of it. I know a lot of good people that are going to bust hell wide open. Told a young man this week that I've given them the gospel a number of times. number of times. And I keep reaching out to him, keep trying to help him. And he said that he had done X, Y, and Z. And I said, you know, I said, I hate to say this, but your doctor says you've got three months left to live. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to break hell wide open. He was in shock. In utter shock. He said, why would you say that to me? I said, because of your choices. I said, you've chosen not to trust Christ as your Savior. The Bible, the oldest book on the face of this earth, has told you very clearly how to get to heaven, and you choose to have excuses not to accept it. I said, you are going to break hell wide open. I said, you're going to know how hot that flame could actually be. And I'm sorry for you, because the choice that you're making is going to lead to destruction. He looks at me in his pride, and he says, you know, a person like me doesn't deserve heaven. I said, a person like me doesn't deserve heaven either. I deserve to go to hell as well. But I put my faith in him. And that changes everything. And for that, I'm not going to apologize. For that, I'm going to just trust that God's going to take me to heaven when I die. Because to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. Fake it till you make it. The other thing that you look at here, they said, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Sometimes as Christians, we're in that conforming model that if we get, just get people to be like us or if we're like other people, if we look like a Christian, I don't care what you look like. God doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't even care what you dress like. He cares about this. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. We can't, and we shouldn't even in a church, look down on people because of the way that they're dressed, the car that they drive, the side of the town that they live in. That's not what God's looking at. Now, I've told the story several times. When I came back, before I came back, I had a meeting, had a visit from a pastor at my house, Pastor Brown. And I was, honestly, when he showed up to my house, I was kind of in shock. I'd been there a couple, been to church, back to church a couple times, and he knocked on my door. And I kind of felt like I was going to show him. Anybody ever have that mindset, you're going to show the preacher? 
you're going to tell him a thing or two. And for two hours, I kid you not, for two hours, I argued with the man and I gave him every excuse in the book why I wouldn't come back to church. Every excuse. He never argued back. He gave me scripture. He saw where I was entrenched at on a couple different issues. And he never tried to even move me on those issues. God had spoken to him about getting a hold of my heart. A year later, well, I'll get to the end of that, that little appointment with him. My final excuse was I have nothing to wear. Now, I had been in church as a kid. I had been in church as a teenager. I had been in church as a young, young adult. I've always felt that if I'm going to go to a funeral, that I should dress up. So if I'm going to dress up at a funeral and Christ died for me, then maybe I should dress up. That's just the way I felt. But that's a personal choice. So I was giving him an excuse on why I couldn't come based on my understanding, based on the way I felt, based on my self-righteousness, based on my excuses. That's what I was doing. And he looked at me and says, what do you have to wear? I said, flip-flops, shorts, and a T-shirt. He looked back at me and says, come as you are. And for the next... I don't know, a couple months, I came in flip-flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. After a while, I could afford to buy one nice set of clothes. And that became my going to church clothes. Nobody ever said anything to me about coming to church in shorts, tent, or flip-flops, and a t-shirt. Not one person approached me, ever and laughed at me or made fun of me or mocked me. Not one person during all that time. I started coming, I put on a shirt, put on a pair of slacks, and I found a cheap pair of $9.99 shoes at Walmart. Started dressing up a little bit more, and then the pastor asked me one day, he's like, hey, would you mind ushering? So I ushered. I'm sitting back there in that back chair, and it's on a Sunday night, and he makes the following statement. He says, I've been meaning to cover this for a long time, but I didn't want to hurt you. And he looks dead into my eyes. He says, but it's time I've got to preach this message. <clears throat> I remember him looking into my eyes, and during the message, I felt like he was looking into my soul the entire time. My last excuse to him was wine in the Bible is wine, why can't Christians drink wine? That was my last excuse. I mean, what a poor excuse, but I, was, I gave it to him. Um, and I didn't even drink wine. It didn't matter to me. But I was giving him every excuse I could on why not to come back to church. And he went through and he explained all the different types of wine from that time. And the reasons why they were used... And that wine as we see it was not a mixed drink and wasn't something, you know, that we looked at. I still couldn't tell you what it all meant. But I'm going to tell you the heart of our pastor. Before the message was over, he ends the message. I believe that Brother David came up and closed in prayer. He was back there 
And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, are you okay? That's the man that cares. He knew that that was a, a point for me. He was afraid of the offense, but he was willing to give me the truth. And if you're here, if you have this, have to, if you stand here, you've got to give it the truth no matter where it slices at. And too often as Christians, regular Bible-believing, church-attending, pew-sitting Christians, we're trying to conform to a mold rather than being transformed. And where we need to close is we need to talk about transformation. Let's stop conforming. Let's start transforming. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. How often do we have the mind of Christ or do we have the mind of Frank South? Or put your name there. We literally need to be a church that has the mind of Christ. That we think before we do something, would this please the Lord? I know we don't like the bracelets much, the WWJD, but they had a point. They were a reminder. And it's something that as a Christian we should ask, would Jesus do this? Would this offend an almighty, holy, righteous God if I did this? I mean, he did say, be holy as I am holy. So there's an expectation of holiness. We take this grace thing way too far. There is grace. But it's not grace to live unrighteously. It's not grace to live ungodly. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, we can only be holy in him. If we look at Galatians chapter, um, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, and we will close, we're going to try to close almost on time here. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 8 through 10. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. When we're living our life and we're trying to choose each day what God would have us to do, are we willing to accept the good will of God? The acceptable will of God? Or do we want the perfect will of God? The only way that you get to the perfect will of God is by being a transformed Christian and living in Christ and Christ in you. It's a transaction that he makes and it's a transaction that you make. Too often we're happy 
with salvation, which is Christ in us. But 117 times, Scripture says, us in Christ. Us in Him. That means my decisions are no longer my decisions. My decisions are His decisions. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and died and gave himself for me. I may have mixed that up a little bit, but forgive me. The life is supposed to be his that's being lived through me. And Paul got the point that his life was supposed to be conformable to the life of Christ to the point of death. Now, we're not there in this country, but who says we couldn't be? It's been like that throughout other parts of the world. Two Christian young men in a a Muslim nation right now are on trial. Actually, trial's over. They're guilty. And they believe that they're going to try and trade them for something with the American government because they proclaim the name of Christ. They're going to put them to death. That's not happening in America yet. And I say yet. But so many of the other things that we see happening right now, 30 years ago, we didn't think that that would happen. Not in America. Not here. But on the other side, I'm going to let you know the hate is great. The hate for what we're supposed to stand for and what we do stand for, it is great. And if we don't start living that transformed life now when we don't have the pressure upon us, how are we going to live the transformed life when the chance of death for what the transformed life means is right in front of your face? And all it takes is the flip of a switch or the change of a leader. We have things happen in our country in the last year and a half that I never thought were possible. They're emboldened. Unrighteousness, ungodliness has been elevated. And if we can't be light now, how can we be light when the pressure is put on? If our children can't be light now, how can they be light then? I have no understanding. I talked to several different people, Christians. I have no understanding why somebody would allow their children a Christian family would allow their children to go to a public school system. I have no understanding. I don't know how that even happens. Homeschool them? I mean, charter school them? Christian school them? But don't public school them. You have a responsibility to your children. You're supposed to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's not going to happen in the public school. They're going to confuse them on purpose. They're going to change their identity on purpose. They're going to change their gender on purpose. I'm not going political. It's on purpose. And if we're not letting people know that there is nothing but darkness over there and helping them make that decision, 
then the problem's on us. Because it's our job to be the light of this world. It's our commission. It's our responsibility. We have several officers here in, uh, in the church. We have several airmen, NCOs, that are non-commissioned officers. We have several people in the military, and they understand what a commissioning is. A commissioning means that they no longer have the opportunity to do what they want to do. They have to do what they're told to do. And we've been told to go out into this world and to share the gospel. We've been told to go out and be the light of the world. Are we? Are we conforming to this world? Are we living a transformed life? That transformed life ought to be our priority. Paul, he said unto death. He was willing to live unto death. I have suffered the loss of all things. Amazon? I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Of all things. He's given up everything of this world. You look on down here, and it says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul was not a fly-by-night Christian. He wasn't conforming just to please people. We need some Pauls in this world. We need people to get into this, this thing and not take it as a game, but realize that life and death are on the line. Loved ones, friends, and family are going to hell and they're going to break it wide open. And maybe it's not popular that you tell somebody that they're going to break hell wide open, but turn to Jude real quick. Jude chapter 1, verse 23. This is Bible. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Some of them, you've got to pull them out of the fire. They're going to be there at the gates of hell. And you're going to have to warn them one last time and let them know really where they're going. I have family, I have friends that won't make that decision for Christ. From the beginning of time, it's always been about pride. God hates pride because he knows it separates man from him. My Bible's closed. Let's have a time of prayer. Let's go ahead and close your eyes. I just want to give you some closing thoughts. Are you born again? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is there a time that you can look into your life and say, on this day or at this point in my life, I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be my personal Savior? If you've done that, raise your hand just to... just to show. If you haven't done that, go ahead and raise your hand. Show me. Nobody's going to come and give you a hard time. Okay. Are you conforming to this world? 
Are you conforming to the things of this world? Are you a Sunday Christian? Are you make it, faking it until you make it? Or are you a transformed Christian? Do people know who your Savior is by the conversation when you open your mouth, by the way you walk, by the way you talk, by the work that you do? The world will tell you what a Christian's not. But every day do you tell the world what a Christian is? Are you following your commission? Altars open if you'd like to come up and spend some time praying. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.